Amen, amen. Thanks, John and the team, for getting us started this morning. Give them a hand. Woo-hoo-hoo! And it's great to be with all of you in person and everyone watching, tuning in online. Welcome to you as well. Uh, if you want to be following along uh, today, either the lyrics of the songs or the, uh, some notes for the sermon, go to respond.church or you can scan the QR code that you saw on your way in and uh, you can follow along with that. But uh, hey, my name is Matt. If I haven't met you, hello, hello, hi. Uh, it's great to be with you. We're going to be in Psalm 150 today. So if you want to go ahead and find your way there, Psalm 150. Uh, we're concluding our series today in these, uh, through Psalms that we've called Refresh. Uh, we've been going through the Psalms this summer, and, I, and my hope and prayer is that it has been refreshing to you. Each week that we've, we've dived in, uh, dove into a different Psalm, that you have walked away with a sense of refreshment, uh, anchored in the character of God, His goodness. Um, today we're going to be in Psalm 150, which really is a, a big grand finale. It's a big uh, crescendo. And as you're turning there, or flip, you know, poking your way there on your app, I want to take you back. I want to take you all the way back to a time where we used to go to weddings. You guys remember those days? <laughs> go to weddings, and then there was also this thing. I don't know, some of you guys know what I'm talking about. There was this thing called a reception, and at this, at this reception that you would go to in person, there was a time, you know, after the cake got cut, after the speeches were given, all of the festivities happened, there was a time where the lights would change. And all of a sudden, the music would start. Maybe it was a little Macarena action. Maybe it was a Ice Ice Baby or the chicken dance or whatever it might have been. Music got cranking at the reception and you knew what time it was. It's time to dance. It's time to dance. And I'm just going to be real with you guys here. Uh, I hated that moment. Once upon a time, I hated that moment. Like the wedding, everything was fine. And all of a sudden when the lights would change, the music would crank on, everyone would go out to the dance floor. I hated that moment because I'll be real, I can't dance. I can pretend to, but I just didn't like the idea of going out and just making a complete fool of myself out on the dance floor. Uh, I hated too, along with that, the pressure that would come from your friends, right? Everyone's out the dance floor. It's like, come on, man, come on. We're, we have to celebrate. Our friends just got married. This is worth it. We have to dance. Come on. And so there would be like this pressure uh, too. And so I got good. I came up with my excuses. Before the dancing would begin, I'd, I'd spot someone. I'm like, okay, they're not going to dance for sure. I'm going to go strike a conversation with, with them. You know, so there'd be, I'd have my excuses. People would be like, come on, dance. I'm like, hey, can't you see I'm talking to uh who are you again? Uh, oh, yeah, it's the groom's uh, neighbor's father-in-law's uh, great aunt. And she wasn't going to dance, so I was safe with her. And so I had my, I had my excuses. Because uh, th- here's the thing, I, I always just, it just felt awkward. But if you've been to, you know, a wedding, you've been to that, maybe it was, you guys, maybe some of you were with me. There's that, we all have that friend, that person who just doesn't get out onto the dance floor. And so you're shouting at them like, come on, man, this is fun. Get out here. We have to celebrate. Get on out here. And I, I don't remember when it was, but I, I do remember there was a time where I decided it's actually less embarrassing just to jump out there and make a fool of yourself. You know, get out on the dance floor, make a fool of yourself. It was less embarrassing to do that than it was to eventually get dragged out by your friends. 
Okay, so just, so that's you. Just, you know, get out there and dance. Make a fool of yourself because otherwise people are going to come and drag you and they're going to make a scene and then everyone's going to be watching you because you're the guy that got dragged or the woman that got dragged out into the floor. So I just figured it was easier just to get out there and do it. But guys, I have great news. God did a work in my life. My, I actually, I, I really love to dance now. Now, now, I can't dance still. I don't, I, I still am not, I'm a terrible dancer, but I actually really love a good wedding reception where there's, there's dancing. I, I actually look forward to that. I will have you know that I've had to replace my pants, not replace them, but I've had to get them re-sewn three times in the last year or so because it's, you know you're having a good time when your pants rip. Uh, so uh, really today, there's, there's the psalmist that well, what we're going to look at today is the, the, the author of this psalm, he is doing the same thing. He's, he's, in many ways, he's calling to us, saying, you have to get out here. You have to come out and join me on this dance floor. We have much to celebrate. We have much to praise. We have to praise the Lord. Get out here on the dance floor. Do not sit down and, and miss out on what is going down. Let's praise the Lord. So that's where we're going today. Would you stand with me if you can? And we are going to read Psalm 150 together. Psalm 150. Let's read this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And God, we pray this morning, Lord, as we just sung that you would come, thou fount of every blessing. Would you tune our hearts and our minds to see and to savor your amazing grace for us this morning. And we pray this in your name, amen. Would you say praise the Lord with me? Woo, go ahead and have a seat. Praise the Lord. So a couple quick observations here with Psalm 150. This psalm is all about praise. It is all about praise. In fact, the last five psalms of psalms, 146 through 150, are all about praise. In, in Psalm 150 alone, the word praise is used. If you count them up, you'll, you'll see 13 times the word praise is used. And that little phrase, praise the Lord, at the very, it's the first thing that he says in Psalm 150, and it's the last thing. It kind of, it's the bookends for this particular psalm. In other words, out of everything that has been talked about throughout Psalms, the 100, 146 chapters leading up to these last five, everything culminates in praise. In other words, praise has the final word. Praise has the final word. And so just a quick little tidbit, as you're reading through scripture, it's really important not just to pay attention to what the Bible says, but also pay attention to how the Bible says what it says. Because oftentimes the Bible will say something and by the way it's structured is communicating something as well. And so if you think over the last, I don't know, several months as we've been making our way through the book of Psalms, we've touched on several of them. By no means have we even begun to scratch the surface of all the, the Psalms that are there. But we've covered enough to where there has been a lot of emotion, a lot of experiences that are described in the books, in these, these uh, Psalms. Everything 
uh, that we've gone through, we've seen that the Psalms, they are very honest. If you're paying attention to them, like they don't minimize the harsh realities of life. They don't minimize those harsh realities. Many of the Psalms, as we've seen, were written in times of depression and discouragement and suffering and fear and anxiety. Times where we've been wondering, where is God? Where is he at? What is he doing? The Psalms were written in those kinds of moments. But what I love, what we see here is that all of the Psalms, they conclude with praise. It all leads up to and concludes with praise. So we see that the Bible doesn't turn a blind eye to the harsh realities of life. It rather reveals a God who will one day and in some way turn our mourning into dancing and turn our pain into praise. And the fact that all of the Psalms contain everything, every human experience, all of the ups and the downs and all of the, the, the fears and anxieties, all that stuff, the fact that it leads up to and concludes in praise, I mean, that is a sweet reminder. The structure, the way it's all structured is a reminder to us it tells us that for the Christian, all of life's ups and downs, all of the, the depression, the pain, the problems, the suffering, that it will all eventually arrive at praise. Think about all the prayers that you have prayed over this, the last several months, this last past year, throughout your life, all of the prayers that you and I believe are currently unanswered, all of those areas of life where we're wondering, God, where are you at? I know you're doing something, I, I believe, but where are you at? What are you up to? All of the prayers that we right now feel unanswered. You and I, with confidence, even though we don't understand it, even though we, you know, as we just sang, I don't feel it, I don't know it, I don't, even though we don't understand, we can with confidence know that there will be one day that we'll be able to look back at everything that's happened and we will be able to say, praise the Lord. It's an amazing thought. It's, it's a very hope-filled thought and belief. We'll be able to look back and to say, praise the Lord with everything that has happened. And I think believing and knowing that we have that kind of God, a God who is in complete control, a God who will one day wipe away every tear, a God who will one day make everything sad, untrue. A God who has promised that, to, and he has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm not going anywhere. Like that kind of God, man, don't you want to praise that kind of God? Well, what we see here in, the, in this final chapter of Psalms is that praise has the final word. And so in a similar way as me hanging out on the sidelines at the table with someone's great aunt, not wanting to dance, having my excuses, uh, needing someone to convince me to get out onto the dance floor, the author of the psalm is exclaiming to you and I today, saying, let's go, get on out here, come join in the praise. But we all have our excuses. We all have our, uh, you know, we have our excuses. And I want to cover what I believe are four excuses that we see answered in Psalm 150 today. Four excuses. Excuse number one. Maybe this is, this is where you're at. I don't know where to praise him. Okay, you want me to praise God, praise the Lord, but I, I don't know where. I don't know where. When he says praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. 
And so the author here, he's not saying that, oh, in the sanctuary and in the heavens, that's the only two places that can, God can be praised. No, what he is saying in laying out really is the span and the scope uh, by which God can be praised. He starts out, he says the sanctuary, which is another way of saying the holy place, the place where God dwells. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God's dwelling place, it was first represented by a portable tabernacle. It got set up and it got broken down and they took it with them as they wandered throughout the desert. And that was, represented God's presence. And then eventually, as Israel got established as a nation, there was a permanent temple which represented God's presence. So essentially, kind of throughout the Old Testament, what we see is God's presence, it was essentially represented by a physical location. And many of us, whether, you know, by default somewhat, we do this today. We assume that praising God, worship of God, happens in a specific place, a specific location. I mean, when I hear the term sanctuary, I don't know what you think. When I, the first thing that I think of is building, sanctuary, building. And if we think this way, you know, we think, oh, or we think like church building, sanctuary, it's, it's this physical location. And the thing is, when we think this way, uh, really what we're doing is we're missing out on the rest of the story that the New Testament announces. Did you know that, that God never intended for a physical, for the temple to be his forever home? He never intended that. You see, in the New Testament, we see Jesus who is fully God. He comes and is fully man, fully God, fully man. He lived he died, he resurrected, he ascended, and then he sent his Holy Spirit to dwell inside of believers, inside of believers. So guess, guess what? The Holy Spirit, if you are in Christ, you, he dwells in you. And I love that God does not dwell in dirty places. He doesn't dwell in dirty places. He cleans house and he moves in. This means if you are in Christ and you have the Spirit dwelling in you, you are holy. This, you are a sanctuary. You are a holy place. And this means praising God in his sanctuary. I mean, that can happen wherever you go. Wherever you go, he goes in you and praise can happen. So in other words, we are a walking worship center. You and I are a portable temp temple. We're a standing, sitting, surfing, skating sanctuary. Because wherever we go with Christ in us, with the Holy Spirit in us, we are that holy place. We can worship God. So the author is saying everywhere, wherever you are, all the way to the heavens where angels are praising God all the time and throughout all creation, wherever you are to the heavens, God is and can be praised. And so that's the first excuse. I don't know where to praise him. And the answer is everywhere. Everywhere. Excuse number two. Well, I don't know why to praise him. I don't know why to praise him. And the psalmist, he says in verse two, will praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. He's saying, just look at who he is. Look at all that he has done. And you and I, all of us here, we love to praise people. We love to praise greatness. We, we, it just, we love that. We love, I mean, think about all the stories that you tell. You know, the, the, the movies that we watch, the videos that we share. I saw some video of a little kid who was like probably five years old doing nunchucks or something. It was insane. And like my, my family was sharing that with us yesterday. I don't want to get off track here, but I was like blown away. It was like a five-year-old with nunchucks just going crazy. And he was, it was amazing. It was great. How many of you guys watched The Last Dance? Are you familiar with that? 
Show of hands, last dance. All right, I see you, Cutter. Thank you, thank you. God bless you, God bless you. Okay, the last dance. You cannot make it through the, the entire series of last dance, or I'll say this, if you watch the last dance all the way through and you don't at some point praise Michael Jordan for his mighty deeds on the basketball court, it means you haven't been paying attention. You simply have to watch it and pay attention and you will be praising Michael Jordan for, for maybe not what he did off the court, but what he did on the court. You're, it's amazing, there's greatness. We see things like that and we can't help but just to praise. Like we're praise factories. We, just exude, we, we are looking for something, someone to praise. We, all, we, we tell others, you gotta see this. You gotta see this. Now here's the thing. The greatest human accomplishment, no matter what it is, will never be able to hold a candle to the reality of who God is and what he has done. Never. Can't hold a candle to it. And the author here, he says, praise him for his mighty deeds. He's pointing our attention to God's resume. God's resume that, that unfolds all throughout salvation history. You see, back in Genesis 3, when sin entered the human story and everything broke, everything fell apart, what we see from that point on, is, is if you want the, the Cliff Notes version of the Bible, from Genesis 3 on, everything broke. It's the story of God, unfolding story of God's faithfulness, a faithful God redeeming, rescuing a faithless people. We see it all throughout. We see it from all the pages of Scripture, from Genesis on. We see this, the, the unfolding story of God's faithfulness on display. And we see time and time and time again that his plan, like whatever he has planned, like his promises, nothing can stop those. Nothing can thwart. Nothing can alter his promise. I mean, think about what it takes for you and I to have a sense of control. Think about for us to have a plan that cannot be thwarted. Think about what kind of sovereign control we have to have in order to have a plan that we execute and it doesn't get thwarted. Think about, I mean, all of us here, all of us here had our lives bulldozed by a tiny, itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny, microscopic virus, okay? We, we have no control. If you guys are into f making five-year plans, I know that I, we've, I've done those before, but if you were in 2015, you're like, dude, God spoke to me. I have my, my, my five-year plan. You were wrong. <laughs> you were wrong. All of us here have, are, have, are facing the reality of a lack and an inability to control things. But isn't it good to know that we have a sovereign God who is in control and that his plan, his promises, his purpose will not be stopped. No matter what we see, no matter what you and I see from our vantage point, from his vantage point, everything happens right on time. Right on time. And that, my friends, is praiseworthy. When we encounter that, that is praiseworthy. Uh, so we, why do we praise God? We praise him for everything. His mighty deeds and his excellent greatness for who he is, what he has done. And before we go on to the next excuse, I just want to, you know, a quick thought here. It might seem weird at times. I don't know if you've been reading through scripture, you hear this idea of God commanding praise. Like, praise me. You know, worship me. I mean, who does that? Who does that kind of thing? Does God, it makes me think, like, does God really need the boost? Does he really need, like, help, like us to fill up his little confidence tank? You know, if, and, and who does that? If I were to walk up here and say, 
praise me. I demand the praise. You guys be like, okay, let's time for lunch. Let's get out of here. You think I'm crazy. You think I'm, I'm insecure. You, you, it would be something to be off. But what is God doing by demanding praise? And I love this. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a helpful little book of essays on his reflections on the Psalms. And he's, he made a couple great observations when it comes to this question. It's a fair question. Why does God demand praise? And I'm paraphrasing what he says here. But he says, God himself actually demands praise inherently. Who he is evokes praise. So in other words, even if he didn't command us to praise him, even if he did not command it, to praise God is simply, this is what Lewis says, is simply to be awake, to be healthy, to be sane, to have entered the real world. And consequently, not to praise him is to have missed everything and lost all. So in the simplest of terms, praising God just makes sense. I mean, those of you who have been at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you guys just were at the Grand Canyon a little while ago, the, or Niagara Falls, no one has to tell you, like, dude, wow. I mean, you, you see that. You're at the edge of that. You see the, the majestic, the greatness of it. It, it just all of a sudden, you, you can't help but to be in awe. No one has to tell you to, to praise and so that's the, that's the first thing, the other key observation that Lewis makes, and this is, this is actually really, really key. He had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. You see, the world rings with praise. It just, it's everywhere. It's, whether it's, it's wine, music, books, sunsets, artists, sports, or children, we, you and I, we cannot fully enjoy something until we praise it. We have to say something. And C.S. Lewis is saying that until we express our praise, our delight in that thing is incomplete. And think about it. When you, raise your hand. Have you ever seen the green flash? Okay, you're all aligned. <laughs> you're all aligned. Okay, those of you who think you've seen the green flash, because I, I mean, I haven't, I've tried. But when you see the green flash, apparently, what's the first thing that you do? You tell somebody, right? You can't keep it in. You're like, oh, there it is. I saw it. Oh my God. Did you see it? You saw it? I saw it. You see, did you see it? I see it. I'm like, and I'm like, I can't see anything. I've been staring at the sun setting for the last three minutes. I'm just seeing dots. None of them are green. So we can't help but to tell people. It just comes out. We have to share it. It's, it's not enough to just see it. You're compelled to say something. You praise what you saw. And Lewis, he says this, just as people spontaneously praise what they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that was magnificent? It's interesting, in telling everyone to praise God, the author of the Psalms, he's, what he is doing, by telling everyone to praise God, he is doing what all people do when they speak about something they value. But his way of, it's interesting, his way of praising God is by telling others, praise God, come praise the Lord. By telling, his, his, praise God, praising God for him is telling others to praise God. And this part is so cool. The thing that we're being invited to see, catch this, the thing we're being invited to see is that we have a God who loves us enough to make his glory and our joy 
ultimately the same thing. Oftentimes when we think of God's glory, it's like, okay, I know God needs to get the glory, but I'm just miserable. I'm down here. And, and we, we, think, we, we think there's a separation, you know, like that God's glory is there and then you know, we're unaffected. But check it out. God rigged it. He rigged it. This is his idea to, to make it so that his glory and our joy ultimately would be inseparable. Ultimately would be inseparable. So when we praise God for who he is, when we praise him for what he has done, it means our praise, our joy, all that we are is being fully directed to the one it was always intended to be. It was always meant for. And to not praise God, according to Lewis here, and I think it's true, to not praise God is really only to rob yourself of the joy that you were created to experience in him. He created you for joy. And praising him is what will bring us truest, fullest, lasting joy. So excuse number one, I don't know where to praise God. Help me out. What's the answer? Everywhere. Excuse number two, I don't know why to praise God. Answer is for everything, for who he is, for what he has done. All right, let's jump to excuse number three. Well, I don't know how to praise God. And he says, okay, praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Yeah, praise him with drums. Come on. Can I get a hallelujah for drums? Woo-woo. So it sounds to me like praise might be getting a little loud, right? Might be getting a little loud. So so I don't know how to praise God. And so if you don't know how, what are you supposed to do? Go out and I need to go out and get a trumpet or a shofar in order to, to, to worship, to praise God. How many of you guys have a, a shofar? No, no one? Okay, well, I do. I didn't want to rob you guys of this opportunity. Woo! I'm telling you, the early service, I really blessed them with this. Um, this is a shofar. Uh, this is Ryan's, so I don't really know where it's been, but um, let's praise the Lord together, huh? Check it out. Let me try this. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. Here we go. Let's go. Oh, there it is. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord! That's fun. So, so all you gotta do is go and pick one of these up. I think they're at the 99 cent store. I don't know. Get one of those. No, here's the thing. He lists out here an entire list of instruments. And if you are an, uh, a musician, that's, that's fantastic. But for many of us, we're not. So what do, we, what do we do here? And I think here that this list is not meant to be this prescription or a comprehensive list of here's the only ways of how you praise God. I think what we see is if our excuse is, well, I don't know how to praise God, the answer really is to praise him in every way. I think he lists all of these instruments. They're not all of the instruments that existed. He says, here, here's a bunch of ways to do that. And the thing is, it's, it's, it makes noise. It makes noise. And so if you have a, a, a muse, uh, an instrument, use that. If you have a trumpet, use it. Harp, use it. Tambourine, do, shake that thing. Let's go. Stringed instrument, flute, cymbals, use them. But maybe you're not a musician. You don't have that. Well, you, do you have a voice? Use your voice. And maybe 
You don't have a musical bone in your body at all, but guess what you do have? You have a body, and our bodies are meant to express praise as well, to express praise. I mean, we do this all the time. Think about, you know, those moments where your favorite team wins the championship game at the final second. What are you doing with your body? Not social distancing. You're grabbing your friends. You're like, oh my goodness, did you see that? You're shaking each other. Your hands are in the air. You're jumping. You're just, you can't help but to express the praise of, in that moment. You can't help but to express that praise with your body, with all that you have. And I think that's what the psalmist is saying here. He say, he's like, come on. Hey, grab something that makes some noise and let's go. Let's go praise the Lord together. Come with me. And so that's the, that's the fourth thing. The final uh, excuse that we see that we might have as well. Who should praise God? Who should praise God? The answer here is everyone, everything. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Everyone take a deep breath in. Exhale. That was a gift. That breath that you just breathed, that was a gift. It wasn't owed to you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. It was a gift. How many of you are still alive? All of you? Great. (laughs) If you're alive, this verse includes you. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, everything and everyone. And he's not speaking here uh, generically, oh, if you have lungs and that you breathe oxygen, praise the Lord. No, the Hebrew word here, uh, here used for breath is the same word that is used back in the creation story. All the way back in Genesis 2, we see that the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Same word, the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So who should praise God? Everything and everyone that has the breath of life. And that very breath that we just took, and every breath since, and every breath you would take, for the rest of the day, week, month, the rest of your life is a gift. And it is uh, given as a gift that we are used to praise God, the giver of that breath. We praise him with our lives. And by the way, there's, there's no exemptions or exceptions here laid out. There's no footnotes like, everything that has breath, praise the Lord, unless you're an Enneagram 5. Don't worry about it. Or if you're an introvert on the Myers-Briggs, like there's no, there's no fine print here. It's everything, everyone that has the breath of life. Praise the Lord. So four excuses. Sorry, I didn't mean to hit on our Enneagram fives. I love you guys. Uh, four excuses and four answers. Excuse number one, well, I don't know where I should praise God. The answer, help me out, everywhere. Excuse number two, I don't know why to praise God. What's the answer? Help me out again. For everything, for who he is, for what he has done. Excuse number three, I don't know how I should praise God. Well, in every way, with all that we've got. Excuse number four, yeah, but who should praise God? The answer there, everyone. Everyone, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And with that, the Psalms are over. 150 chapters filled with all of the emotions, all of the different experiences of life, all concluding 
culminating in praise to God. In praise to God. And so the author, as we talked about, he said, praise God for his mighty deeds. And what's so cool is that here today, you and I, as we sit here on this, this plaza, several thousand year, years later, after this, this has been written, we get to be a part of something incredibly special. Incredibly special. You see, we get to praise God on this side of the cross. We get to praise God on this side of the resurrection. We get to look back and we say, when we think about his mighty deeds, I mean, surely the mightiest deed that we can praise God for is what he did, what he accomplished on the cross. You see, because of the cross, you and I, we can enjoy, we don't have to question and wonder, does God love me? Does he forgive me? The cross tells us that we have been given once for all forgiveness. It's not little by little, dosage by dosage. It's, you know, little piece by piece forgiveness. No, it's, it's once for all forgiveness we've been given at the cross. We've been declared righteous. We've been made perfectly holy, perfectly suitable, partakers of the divine nature. This means we are perfectly suitable, perfectly compatible with God for who God is. We've been made holy. And you see the cross there's so much we could talk about when it comes to the cross. So much of his mighty deeds wrapped up in, in what he did on the cross, but the cross wasn't the end of the story. That wasn't the end. Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, and because of his resurrection, another thing that we could talk about, his mighty deeds, his resurrecting from the dead, because of that, we have been given resurrection life. Resurrection life has been given to us. I love this story. It's kind of a weird one, but in John 20, Jesus, after his resurrection, he shows up and meets up with his disciples who are in a locked room. They were locked. They were afraid. They were alone. They were all together. And all of a sudden, Jesus is there, shows up with them. And one, one really, really interesting thing happens in that time. He breathes on them. And when he does, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them, saying, receive the Holy Spirit. And I think in the same way, you and I today, when we trust Jesus as our Savior, we are made new, and Jesus breathes into our spiritual lives the true breath of life, the Holy Spirit. So we have so much to be thankful for. There are so many reasons to praise God. So many things, and one of the... Um, my, again, his mightiest deed, I think, of the cross and resurrection, that is what we remember, and that's what we celebrate when we take the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're going to do right now together as a family, as a congregation. Ryan, you can come up. And it's a time of, of looking back and remembering and celebrating all that God did in his, that mighty, mighty moment on the cross and the resurrection. And so let me transition us into that time. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you have done. And Lord, give, thank you for this family, this church, that we get to come together, to, to gather together in person or watching the live stream. Lord, we're still a family getting to experience all that you have, have done, Lord, for us. And we pray that this time, Lord, as we take these, these elements and remember the sacrifice that you made for us, God, that you would press that truth down deep into our hearts just of how loved we are and God, the hope that we have in you. We thank you for this time and pray this in your name. Amen.